evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Ash. My name is Craig Schneider. That fantastic, unshaven gentleman, 1,800 miles southeast of me, is none other than Senor Keep Fisher. And we are coming to you live for the 178th time this 27th day of April, 2018. Mr. Fisher, I am feeling fantastic. I am smoking a lovely unbanded cigar. I'm only slightly tired, and I'm in need of a glass of rum. How would you sum up your experience this evening? Well, that's pretty good, I reckon. It's hotter than a three-ball donkey, but other than that, I'm all right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I love hillbillies. (laughs) I told you. Careful where you say that. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good advice, actually. <sighs> well, I uh, I'm going to assume that has more to do with the weather than anything else, or at least I'm going to pray that that's what it has to do with. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just not cooling off much. Well, well, what's happening is the house gets really hot because the sun beating on it all day, and then it stays hot all night. Doesn't doesn't really cool back down until. Oh. Till about daybreak when it's time to get up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> or get hot again, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, I uh I'm sitting in a cave that I made myself that's underground adjacent to fifty two degree ground or soil. So uh I have two shirts on, socks, and a room heater. <laughs> I have two thirds of a shirt on. This this wearing this <laughs> shirt that is just like halfway buttoned is more like a Columbia Dickie at this point. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I tore it off right above my navel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a- man. Oh, I would- oh. <laughs> the midriff fishing shirt. Oh, that would be worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> uh, uh, you'd have to talk like Hank Azaria from Birdcage, though. Before that. <laughs> my my Guatemalanes. <laughs> ah. Uh it's good to talk to you. I uh I was gone last week. We didn't really get too much of a chance to chat a little bit besides uh sharing a couple pictures and stories and things from uh my fishing vacation in New Mexico. But uh what else has gone on for you? Anything substantial or fun since uh since I got back? Well, since we've recorded. We we have begun preparations and plannings and ticket purchases and whatnot to make it back to the States for a couple of weeks this summer. That's pretty exciting. That's very exciting. As you can tell by my outpouring of energy, it is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is me excited. Ready? Uh-huh. And this is me angry. <laughs> Actually, I am very excited to come back for a while. Good. I'm glad you're going to get to come. I just don't care for all the arrangements. Yeah, well, yeah. That's very understandable. I mean, yeah. Who does like having to, uh, especially with everything else that you're taking on at that point to achieve when you're here. So, yeah, a lot of running. Yeah. Not literally. I don't run for nothing unless something's after me. Uh, folks, if there was ever a reason 
to watch the YouTube, it would have been two t- two things already this recording. One, Kip's <laughs> midriff bearing fishing shirt, <laughs> and the look of sheer stoicism and sincerity when he says, I don't run for anything unless I'm getting chased. <laughs> unless something's after me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good gracious. Ah, that's funny. And I don't have to oh, get away from it. I just got to outrun the next guy beside me. My brother-in-law's got a shirt that says, uh, I like you, but when the zombie when the zombies are chasing us, you're getting tripped. Yeah. That's why we used to say we carried a handgun camping with just one round, and that was to shoot our partner in the leg. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, on that uh, bright and cheery note, <laughs> I'm glad I'm 1,800 miles away from you. What are you smoking? Oh, well, it's an unbanded cigar. You, That's right. And so I don't know what I'm smoking. And actually, I don't believe the uh, information made it down here for this one. I think you have the reveal tonight. I do have the reveal. The only thing I know about it is, well, it's a Robusto. That's about as far as I, I, I can verify, and I can say mine has some very, very finely grained tooth, which I noted in the note, noted in the notes, mentioned in the notes, was was a bit deceptive that the wrapper's kind of oily, even though it doesn't initially feel that way, because that tooth kind of deceptively makes it feel dry. But if you <laughs> if you stick with it and rub it long ways, it, it gets oily. Um. Innuendo aside, mine uh, appears to be rather uh, rustic in appearance. The cap was a little rustic on it. Dark Colorado uh, Colorado Maduro shade wrapper. It is, as you described, uh, excuse me, oily to the touch, not overly so. Um, I turned my ringer off. Not uh, oily so in appearance. Um... Gosh, I don't know if I can offer a guess as to what this wrapper is. It does not appear to be very thick, so I'm going to say it's not a broadleaf. Um, I don't really have much of the tooth that you're describing, so I'm going to say it's not perhaps a San Andres. Um, doesn't appear to be. It doesn't appear to be anything that's obvious to me. I could say a Bono. It does have some of the the larger vein structure that a Bono leaf seems to at times. It, it uh, does, and it's uh, mine has uh, prominent, but not 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 humongous veins, and really not a great deal of detail. The vein that has, you know, the main vein lines, but not you know, not much visible in the way of uh, no capillaries. There, there you go. Word I didn't have. Yeah, I. Uh... Appearance, that's that's about all of it for me. Um, I did not measure my length before I lit it, but it is a 50 ring. Uh, you have five? Yeah, yeah five by 50. Looks yeah. just about like that. Um, a decent burn on mine so far. I lit it up and was actually struck by a very unique flavor. Um, and I that was about two minutes after I made fun of you for stopping our conversation in the middle when you lit it up to do just about the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I made fun of you and then did that very same thing myself. So um, 
it definitely has a unique flavor, a striking flavor on the first third. That uh, That's something that I can say for certain as well. But uh, I don't know exactly what that was. It might have been like a like a really tart yogurt or something. I don't know. I don't know how to say this without sounding stupid. No, that's your accent. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll hold. I'll hold this comment till later. Okay. Um, not you know, I lit it up. I'm a quarter inch into it. Not very full. Um, it's there's some harder flavors in it, but it's definitely balanced by a a citrus or crispness. There seems to definitely be tannins in it. Um, I, I, I right away I was gonna say, oh man, that t- oh, that tastes like a um. Uh, I'll say this, and you're going to laugh at me uh, right away. Oh, that tastes like a Don Carlos. Um, and uh, I, I assumed that since you hadn't said that, I was going to be laughed off the stage for thinking such a an no, ignorant thought. But I, I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm going to glare at you with contempt. <laughs> Reason number three to catch the live stream. <laughs> No, no, it did not remind me of a Don Carlos, uh, although there was this peculiar uh, uh, butterscotchy kind of flavor early on, but it was like less sweet than butterscotch. It was like butterscotch if you took half the sugar out of it. That hard candy that your grandmother gave you that was 25 years old and all stuck together out of her purse. Hmm. Which sounds terrible, but it, it was good. I like it. um i think it's a really bad pairing with my rum there's a uh a bitterness or an acidity to the cigar and the the sweetness in the rum i have my regular pour zaya Uh, not very much of it you know just just a a smidgen um I, i think it's tending to make that that sourness Maybe not bitter. Maybe it's sourness. Stick around a little more. It's not uh, playing nicely. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The, I've been drinking almost nothing but water. I had a little Coke earlier, which is a rarity these days. But been drinking water like they're going to quit making it tomorrow. But nothing right at the moment. So I'm preparing it with nothing. It goes pretty good. <laughs> Doesn't clash with nothing. Mm-hmm. Have you taken a uh, retro hail to kind of sense what the flavors are on this yet? Yeah, it, it's um, very lightly uh, volatile where you can kind of feel it in the nose more than there being some really distinct flavor. You just kind of, <laughs> it, it, I don't know if you have something volatile, your rum, for example, on your palate and tongue, you feel it take off from the surface it'll evaporate or you'll you know respirate it or whatever and you you know you know what i'm talking about that little bit it's not really a burn but you just feel the change uh yeah it's the 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 term that old school dominican cigar makers use the sensation Uh you know there's a sensation that it has yeah i call it volatility where if you have in the 
age-old EPA Department of Environmental Protection harassment I had to go through. Volatile compounds were always measured by how easily, how readily they took off into the atmosphere. So, hi. Sorry. Have you My, gotten to the point where you swear in Spanish now? No. Oh, well, okay. I know most of the words. I won't say <laughs> All right. Our first rat hole of the night. I just heard a long form uh, podcast interview with Antonio Banderas. Uh-huh. And somehow the subject of uh, Spanish insults or swears came up. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said he was at a soccer match and uh, or whatever. Uh, he said football, obviously. He was at a football match and he heard a defenseman say to a forward, uh, I'd talk bad about your father, but your mom hasn't gotten back to me yet about whether that's me or not. <laughs> And I'm like, that's, you know, we call each other asshole and we think that that's adequate. But then you have something that's so elegant. And I mean, just the contempt and the elegance and hearing that in Spanish. It was it was beautiful. I I mean, it was it it made me want to learn that phrase. It was was awesome. I fought in your general direction. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Ah, that's pretty good. Anyways, um, volatility, that's where yeah. you were going, the sensation of this cigar. On a retro hell, it's really volatile through the nose. I can, uh, I don't know that I would attach a flavor to it this early on, but I can really feel it through the nose, but it doesn't burn. It's not a, uh, it, it, it's not a, uh, it's not aggressive. It doesn't hurt, doesn't tingle. It's not going to make me sneeze like some do. It, it's just something you can feel. There's a, uh, well, we're both well-documented as being nicotine wusses, and I'm a little bit more of a palate wuss than you. Um, I'll retrohale, but I will make sure to take uh, plain air in my mouth before I retrohale it, so it's diluted. Um, Because when I retrohale normally, I do so slowly, and so that that smoke is staying in my nasal passage for a couple seconds rather than just an intense burst of get it out. Okay. What do I taste? It's a, what am I tasting? What am I tasting? What am I tasting? And then gone. Um, When I do that, this is nearly imperceptible flavor wise. And there is no sensation change for me either because it's diluted. But when I take a puff and I, retrohale it um how do i put this uh uh, aggressively i do get a really unique flavor and i get that kind of it's okay this is a bad analogy because it um would uh, have some sort of a connotation of pain but i don't mean the pain i mean the sensation of how it kind of there's waves of it through your body but when you get like electrocuted there's there's almost like this transfer of that that energy that current through your your body you might touch it on your finger but you feel it in your forearm that's kind of what this retro hail reminded me of if i took a large puff and i forced it kind of aggressively out 
I was getting the sense of the taste of the flavor or this sensation, not just where I would normally taste it. I'm getting it like in my upper respiratory system. It's very strange. Like the ability for this cigar to, to almost like send waves of the flavor through That's not normal. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, almost like down my throat, even though I'm not tasting anything in my throat, obviously. It's just a... It's weird. Like a shockwave of cigarness. It's a shockwave of flavor! It's the cigars of Guatemalanes. Coming to you live on the next Drew Estate release. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shockwaves of flavor sounds like a Drew Estate marketing ploy. Ah, uh, gotcha. Sound like a Fanta commercial. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So that that's my opening thoughts on this. Uh, boring and uh, not very clear as they may be. Yeah. Uh, I think we may have a little bit of a different uh, perception of cigar. My, I don't know. Mine is more charry kind of flavored. More. Oh wow! <laughs> and it's the the smoke. Jeez, I, it doesn't look dense. It, it, this cigar, I'm sitting here holding it. It's it's lit, but it's not. There's no smoke coming off of it. But I can puff, and it's still lit. But huh. on the palate, it feels feels very dense. It feels very plumy and full and vibrant in terms of its smoke production when it's puffed. Wow. But just sitting, there's nothing coming off of it. I, I, man, we must be smoking completely different cigars because mine is, you know, there's definitely a trail of smoke coming off mine, one. Um, and two, it is without a doubt the farthest thing from Chari that I, that I can describe um, really? nowhere close to that. And it's incredibly sour citrus, grapefruit citrus. Um, that's why I'm being drawn to the Don Carlos comparison because which you have a impeccable burn and a really cool color change in your ash. Yeah. That's what I was showing you was the color difference. There it goes. Mm-hmm. But you see, there's, there's. I took a puff after I was done talking. It's already stopped smoking. There's nothing coming off of it, but for a puff, mm. it's it's fine. It's definitely going. Yeah, I, I mean, there's huh. that that. But wow, that, look at that bright cherry on it when I yeah, knock the ash off. That'd be lit. Um, but it is burning impeccably. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I said to describe the cigar is that it was not very full. Um, and I would absolutely stand by that. I have almost no mouth sensation to this thing. Wow. Huh. That's peculiar. Yeah, barely, barely any density to the smoke. I don't know. Well, uh, You're we'll smoking have... two, right? Um, I am smoking the... J2. Okay, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah, yeah, I believe you. And I've got the J2 envelope in front of me. 
Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I like it. It's certainly not bad. Um, the sour citrus is not a, it's not sour in the sense of Connecticut shade grown under processed crisp flavor where it's drying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like grapefruit to me. So yeah, I can, I can believe you, and maybe even say a whisper two at times have been in that direction for me. But it's not what I would have called a a predominant or a dominant flavor so far. Well, I guess uh, it's time to move on. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to have the same experience in this first third. So let's uh, let's get into news and see how we line up a little bit later on. So stick around if you dare. It's going to be another fun night of conversation, friends. An itsy wincy little finger of rum. Uh, some fun conversations about my trip. I hope, and uh, some definitely fun conversations about what I smoked, and hopefully. Uh, Hopefully some interesting news stories, too. So strap on in. Let's go. Cool. I love how you challenge people to listen to the show. (laughs) (laughs) If you dare. All right. If you dare. We need Vincent Price to do our lead-ins. What do we got here? Ah, We have a couple of diverging philosophies and renaming cigar companies and factories this this these past couple of weeks um first up casa fernandez one of your dear near favorite companies oh, i love them <laughs> <laughs> sorry excuse me i actually do i lament the 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 fact that i can't get my hands on the arsenios anymore I have some Toros, Casa Fernandez Reserve Toros, but my constitution apparently has weakened even more in recent times. And hang on, stupid motorcycle. And uh, it's it's almost a rare day that I can smoke one of those Toros entirely. I mean, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't hardly make it through all the way because they they're potent. And the Arsenios were robustos and a milder blend, and man, they were. They were amazing to me. One of my favorite cigars. Anyway, back to the story at hand. Um, I am touching up the cigar just for posterity's sake. It did get a little wonky. Um, Since our last show, Casa Fernandez announced they were changing their name to Acadorsa Leaf. And those who pay attention to us or any number of other cigar-related outlet things around the interwebs uh, know that Aganorsa is a is a Spanish acronym, and I would have to go back and look up see exactly what it is. But it is their leaf growing operations, and it's how they refer to the tobacco that they themselves grow, which they grow for quite a number of different uh, cigar companies and cigar makers, uh, as well as their own uh, production. But they changed the name from Casa Fernandez to Aganorsa Leaf, uh, presumably to, I guess, realign the focus of the, the thinking and their philosophy to really focus on that leaf because it's something that they feel is, is unique for them. And, and it is. I, I put in the notes, I think, that uh, I, their tobacco to me is unique and delicious, although Craig would stop at unique. <laughs> 
<laughs> I happen to adore it. I think that one of the unique things about it, it's it's a polarizing tobacco. I don't meet very many people <laughs> that kind of feel like it's, you know, in between. It's either you love it or you hate it. And the two of Guess us. what camp I'm in. <laughs> I, I know what camp, what camp you're in. You know, it 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 should be stated that without a doubt, I love some of the products. Excuse me, that they are associated with, without a doubt. I I love so many of the Illusion products. Period. And and for years, honestly, I don't even know if they all still are, but they were rolled at uh, Tobacco Lara Tropical. They're not all. I think. Dion has his production split in a couple of different places. Uh, if I said they are all, I did not mean to say that. I meant to say at one point they were. Yeah. I don't know if they all are. Sorry. Um, uh, Pepin came from Tropical. Some of Pepin's cigars that he had his fingers into, some of the private blends that were done when he was at Tropical are unbelievable. I believe didn't... Um, Tatuaje start 2003 at Tropical. Um, yeah, up until somewhere like 2006, the mid, mid, latish area of the first decade of the 2000s, mm-hmm. they reached the Nagadorsa Leaf and they were kind of partnered up, Pepin and Fernandez, and they had a big falling out and a lawsuit that went on for years and was finally settled. If I'm remembering correctly, that sounds about right. Or sounds familiar enough. I would uh, yeah. would be a way to put it. Um, yeah. The early <clears throat> products featured Aganorsili pretty prominently. Yeah, and I I have liked some of those. I think this really is an umbrella that has to include um, the Casa Fernandez brand. That's probably the biggest offender for me. Um, it, it it just captures something that I just don't get into, period. There are certainly others. Um, what did we just talk about last show? A cigar that I really didn't like. It was in and the form. It was warped. That's what it was, warped. Yeah, I, I just cannot get into warped cigars. Um, they just have not lined up with my flavors on many occasions. Same sort of thing. Cas Fernandez production. Mm-hmm. So... It's not exclusive to everything that's coming from Tropical or Agonorsa Leaf or containing Agonorsa Leaf, but there appears to be a a style within that uh, organization that is not just unique to one marca or one front mark. Um, it uh, oof. it runs rampant, but uh, certainly not all encompassing. I will give them that. Yeah. Uh, in any event, just a name change. My understanding is it's not going to change the cigar or anything. The um, Tabacalera Tropical was the original name of, but pre Casa Fernandez. It was changed to Casa Fernandez quite some number of years ago. And they have the Tabsa factory and Casa Fernandez brand and whatnot. But uh, it's kind of consolidating this or at least renaming the, the Casa Fernandez portion of the company to Aganorsa Lee. 
with a to bring about a focus on the leaf rather than a family name or whatever. Um, and, and I mentioned as we were leading into this that we had two diverging thoughts on these renaming things and and the and and in walks J.C. Newman. And J.C. Newman has renamed their Pensa factory in Nicaragua. Those of you uh, that don't know this, many of their brands, the the Diamond Crown uh, uh, and its varieties and some of their other marks that, that are Newman products are actually made by the Fuentes here in, in the Dominican Republic. But J.C. Newman has a factory in Nicaragua that where they make their their hand rolled, their premium cigars, the El Baton, the Brick House, the uh, Perla del Mar. Um, seems like there was one more, I don't recall. But anyway, they renamed this factory from simply Pensa to J.C. Newman Pensa, which I thought was funny. The, the first change was taking a family name out of the equation. This change is bringing a family name onto uh, into the equation and onto the factory. And I got this press release. Um, I was actually sitting up on top of the mountain reading this thing, which was really peculiar because I don't usually have a signal and get email up there. Hmm. Uh, but uh, in the, within the press release, there's a quote that says they're making this change. And this following is a quote to elevate the JC Newman name and use it to tell our story as a 123-year-old, four-generation family business and America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, which is a quote I've heard many, many times from the Newmans. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say from many, many manufacturers. No, no, no. No, from the Newman family. Um, that's something they rightfully, proud, proudly put out there. I mean, it is a family-held marca that's been continually in business for all those years. It's not Gurkha saying there was a company by our name 200 years ago that made cigars or whatever, and even though the actual company started in the 80s. The Newmans have actually held this company and made cigars all these years, but all that's beside the point. Ah, these freaking motorcycles. I, I have to say, from a uh, consumer of your audio, from that perspective... It's not that loud on this side. Nope. I can't hear myself think when they go by. But okay. <laughs> anyway, they brought the JC Newman name back into the factory. But at the end of the day, when I'm thinking through these two changes, and uh, I guess as I continue to get older and more jaded and cynical and shaking my fist at people to get off the lawn, that kind of thing. I don't care about the name changes. Uh, whatever the motivation, bring a family name in, take a family name. I don't care. The thing that's the real story to me out of all this is just what wasn't much more than a footnote in this press release that I got from the Newmans that they roll 100,000 cigars per day in this Nicaraguan factory. I, I is that a lot? Well, it's 25 million a year. No, I, I, I'm kidding. Uh, that is a lot more cigars than I would have imagined. Uh, I had no idea there was that many. Not a clue. Now, uh, I am I am decidedly out of the loop when it comes to Cuban cigars. I admit that. 
for some reason, 75 to 80 million cigars sticks out in my mind as the annual production for all of the island of Cuba. And wow. this one factory is doing a third of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one I, factory. several years ago, I saw a number floating around of the 35 to 40 million was what the Fuentes were producing uh, amongst all the brands and the other companies they make cigars for. But uh, I, I'm not downplaying those blends. We mentioned the Perla del Mar is one of the better Connecticut cigars that I've smoked in many, many years. I think it's a, a good blend, a much better blend. If you happen to be a fan of uh, Connecticut leaf, it is very crisp as we've talked about with that, that particular leaf before. I think the El Baton and the Brick House have their place. I, it's not something I reach for regularly, but I don't. I just had no idea there were that many of them going into the marketplace. Um, I was trying to think. Oh, Quorum, which is mm. one of your, I think, lower-end bundled cigars, but still hand-rolled, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. If I had seen 100,000 cigars a day, between their Nicaraguan factory and the Tampa factory that's pumping out machine-made cigars, maybe it would not have struck me as so so big a number. I mean, still as big a number, of course, but I had no idea they were making that many cigars out of that factory in Nicaragua. That factory has only been around for you know, the last several years, six, seven years maybe at the most. Not a clue. I was caught entirely off guard by that number. I have to say, I would have never thought that J.C. Newman was one of the top cigar manufacturers in the world. Me either. It said it was the second biggest factory in Nicaragua. Whoa! Placencia's yeah. got to have the first. Has to be, yeah. It's got to be Nestor. I got nothing to back that up, but they make well. cigars for so many cigars for so many people. I can't imagine it not being the biggest. Hmm. What well, you think? What's total production out of Nicaragua into the U.S. is 125 million, 130 million tops. That's a pretty big wow. section, a big portion of the entire Nicaraguan business. And it's talking the U.S. market business, of course. Sure, sure. I, uh, <sighs> Uh, I don't remember that 125 number. I thought it was 250. It's 250 all of the premium cigars? Hmm. <clears throat> Maybe Nicaragua and Dominican Republic are very close. And Dominican Republic has led most years, and I don't know if Nicaragua has finally overtaken them the past couple of years or not, but it's been very close for quite some time. Hmm. Well, back to the topic at hand of... Uh, this name change for J.C. Newman, um, <clears throat> I actually think it's a smart move. And I'll tell you why. I think that you're going to see a lot of consolidation in the cigar industry. Um, some <laughs> uh, hostile and some inevitable. Some mm -hmm. companies folding up and evaporating and uh, other people just buying the mark, perhaps. Um, or just completely folding up. Uh, to associate a name that people may still recognize or may have uh, recognized when talking about down the road, um, I think that's a smart idea for them. I think that you're probably going to to need to kind of 
hunker down a little bit in the next five years in this industry. And quite frankly, brand recognition and name recognition, being able to to use that as a showing of strength when so many others are unable to, it's, it's not a bad strategy. And then on top of that, you add all the qualitative stuff in, like pride, you mm-hmm. know? I, why the heck not? Um, I kind of, uh, I would have supported this idea as being perhaps a, a very, very secondhand, um, uh, interesting secondhand strategy to kind of uh, enhance brand strength moving forward. Just, I don't yeah. think it's going to hurt them. So, no, I don't either. And you play to your strengths. And while there are any number of magazine ads out there proclaiming centuries and generations of cigar know-how and knowledge that the Newman family have a, a good claim on that. They, I mean, it literally has been passed down from father to son for almost 125 years now. Yeah. I, uh, I have pulled up the numbers as reported by cigar aficionado. Uh, the Nicaragua surpassed the Dominican Republic in U S imports in 2016. It flipped. And so Nicaragua has grown since 2014 through 17 from 118 million to 148 million in 2017. That's unbelievable. Wow. But still, that's one out of every six Nicaraguan cigars come out of the J.C. Newman factory. That seems huge. That seems gigantic. Absolutely gigantic. Not something I ever would have guessed. I have talked and let this cigar go out now. You sucker. Well, apparently not. My cigar went out. Well, I am not out, and uh, I will say very bluntly, my cigar has transitioned. It is not the point at which we typically discuss these cigars, but this is Chari. It's a little bit richer. It's a little bit deeper, and it has, without a doubt, lost much of that uh, uh, sour citrus. So... We'll see how she goes as I enter the second, uh, third here in a little while. Cool. <clears throat> the Dominican Republic has actually shrank since 2014 in those numbers from a high of 126 million to this past year, 118. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 265 million coming into this country from those two. Th- those are not exports, those are American imports. Those are imports into the United States from those two countries. That's massive. I, I will give you the rundown because there's only four listed for 2017. Nicaragua led with 148, Dominican Republic with 118, and I'm knocking off the decimals. There may be some rounding errors involved. Um, Honduras, 62 million, and then all others, one and a half million. Whoa! Oh, that's a big drop off. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, three hundred and thirty million cigars legally coming into America. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty intense. <clears throat> Only premium cigars. This discounts uh, machine-made cigars. So two for every man in America. Well, more than that, probably four for every man in America. Yeah, you got Except- children in there too. 
<laughs> that's true. Well, alrighty, that's uh, that's a that's a it's actually a lot stronger than I thought it was. That and Nicaragua experienced a massive jump. Twenty sixteen, they surpassed the Dominican Republic, but twenty sixteen was only one thirty four, jumped to one forty eight in twenty seventeen. <sighs> 32% jump in one year. How and the heck is that possible? I don't know. I mean, it went up from 119 to 134 the year before. Did this factory open? <laughs> uh-uh. I think the factory opened 2011, 12, somewhere around there. Hmm. Wow. I don't know. I'd... Uh... <clears throat> I'd almost want to ask if the person doing that math is the same person who uh, is stating that Rocky Patel's vintage comes from 1990. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Take a shot when you can get it, huh? Hey, I don't let it pass. (laughs) Anywho, I don't even know how we got off on that trail. I don't even know why I put all this in there except that strictly that number that was the whole reason i even mentioned these name changes that was i was blown away by that fact that's just a lot of freaking cigars yeah it is but you know what i'm i'm not a machine made cigar smoker but i've been through the newman factory in tampa where they they have they roll machine made cigars there the machines are impressive i just gotta say they're ancient i mean they're many decades old. These are not new equipment. Well, you're American. Um, but these things, we were going through and they were telling us, uh, Eric Newman actually happened to be there the day I showed up with my nephew to see if we could just get a tour of the place. And so Eric was like, hey, I'm not doing anything. Why don't I just take you around? So that was pretty cool. Wow, that is pretty cool. And he was telling us about the, the machines that make these cigars. And it was some absurd number of moving parts in these things. They're the size of a Volkswagen bug, maybe, but uh, there's like 8,000 moving parts in them. They make thousands of cigars a day, and it's hypnotizing to sit and watch them operate. I uh, <clears throat> I was at a house today um, doing some combustion testing, safety testing, to make sure that the mechanical I call, systems... I call that arson. <laughs> uh <laughs> to make sure that the uh, uh, the boilers in this guy's house were operating properly and not backdrafting a crap ton of carbon monoxide into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do a test before I do some work, and then I perform some energy efficiency and tightening, uh, air sealing, tightening of the house. And then you do some tests afterwards to make sure that you haven't put it into an unsafe condition. And this guy's got a boiler which is maybe as old as some of those uh, cigar rolling uh, manufacturing machines. It had to be first-generation natural gas burning boiler. Hmm. I, I test a lot of mechanical equipment and proper operations. They might be putting out 20 parts per million. Um, let's say that's manufacturer's uh, anticipated uh, carbon monoxide output. That's in their flue gases. Mm-hmm. This thing was putting out less than five parts per million. My equipment does not get accurate readings less than five parts per million. It was like five negligible, five negligible. It, 
it, it was just unbelievable how well this machine was still running. Now, I'm sure that it was, you know, 50% efficient, that mm-hmm. it was losing an incredible amount of its its energy through the exhaust gases, but it was still combusting that gas incredibly efficiently. I couldn't believe it. Huh. Sounds like the uh, these presses, uh, the company I used to work for in Florida was a prison industry. They made license plates, of course, along with 3,000 other products, but some of the products are traditional inmate labor kind of stuff, such as license plates. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a couple of presses that are nearly the size of, you know, a small house by themselves that stamp out these license plates. And they, who knows when they were made, they were brought into the prison in the early 20s. There are pictures of them bringing these presses into the prison with a mule mule train. Oh, my God. (laughs) All these mules tied up to this thing, hitched and pulling it in. But anyway, the. They just work. You know, we're nearly a hundred years on. They still are just stamping out plates, six million a year, just trucking. They got a manufacturer for other states too, right? Oh yeah. Well, other countries. Uh, oh okay. You make make Florida, of course, and at different times have made a few other states, but they make several countries in Latin America, and for some time. They made the plates for Liberia, which is weird. I don't know how they got connected to Africa, but uh, they lost track of the government entity that bought the plates from them after some revolution or coup that went on. (laughs) Never got back up with them. (laughs) Uh, Anybody need 4 million Liberian license plates? (laughs) Real cheap. I'll tell you an interesting little fact that's not really interesting and you're not going to care to hear. Oh, can't wait. When you walk around this prison, uh, it's in Stark, Florida. There are three prisons. Uh, Rayford is the little town nearby, actually, the closest town. It has like 187 residents and about 7,000 inmates Hmm. amongst these three prisons. But you walk around, and Florida State Prison and Union Correctional are two of the three, and they're old. They've been there for ages. Um as a matter of fact, up until the not so distant past, Rayford still had stone walls around part of the prison. Huh. <laughs> anyway, when you walk around, look at the buildings and the concrete, you see impressions of license plates. And that's oh, where they, they made molds for pouring the slabs of these buildings out of boards and license plates to kind of hold the concrete till it dried, you know, as a form. Yeah. So you can tell when the buildings were made by looking at the year stamped on the plates and most of them are in the late 20s that's pretty cool it is because there's you know hundreds of plates just in rows i I have no clue why there were so many wasted plates in the 20s but hundreds and hundreds of them just it looks like it's tiled or something and when you look at the ceiling the slab in the ceiling of these buildings probably uh made in the 30s the building was probably made in the thirties and they had so many license plates that people didn't buy. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, back to what our podcast is about the prison system. Um, (laughs) I was driving through Joliet, Illinois yesterday. And, uh, anybody who's a good, uh, fan of the blues brothers movies know that 
Cook County is Joliet. That's where it is. Uh-huh. So I uh, drove right by that. You mentioned it's so old it has a stone wall around the outside. Uh, you better darn well believe Cook County's got a, a crazy 20-foot-tall limestone, like three-foot-thick limestone wall uh, around it with the old-school guard towers and everything. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a little intimidating, but also pretty cool because you can see exactly where uh, uh, where Jake and O would come out. It was, it was a little neat. <laughs> so <clears throat> the important stuff. Yeah, Leonard Skinner had a song called The Four Walls of Rayford. It was actually about that prison. Hmm. Leonard Skinner song nobody's ever heard, unless you're really a serious fan. I uh, I was born north of the Mason-Dixon line, so we got the, the, the big three. We didn't get many, mother, many others from them. Eh. <clears throat> well, shall we talk a little bit more about cigars, maybe? Yeah, why not? I, uh... <laughs> I got nothing else to do right now. <laughs> well, uh, this next little item we got here, I thought was interesting mainly because we just recently featured a Southern Draw cigar, uh, the um, the Quick Draw, a couple weeks yes, ago, as a featured cigar of the week, and they have instituted a new program, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, it. it it's a series of cigars. It's going to be four or five different cigars in total, at least over the next several months for over the remainder of this year. Uh, and within this series, each is going to, each of these cigars will be released and it's going to be, they're going to be sold in uh, 10 count uh, canisters. Um, the picture I saw looked like they were ceramic, but they could be aluminum or something. I don't know. I didn't look that closely, but the the project is a joint, operation a joint project with retailers where um southern draw and the retailer are each gonna donate i think three dollars and 75 cents for a total of 750 per jar to uh, a number of uh, charitable organizations uh, mainly those that that provide some service or aid to uh, either active or former service members um or cigar rights organizations such as CRA or IPCPR or what have you. Um, and they're going to release these throughout the balance of the year, and, and they're partnering with uh, some of the bigger retailers. I think Casa de Monte Cristo is the first and famous maybe is going to follow suit, and I think Cigars International is going to do one. And they're going to be sold at events, and I would assume online, seeing as how, Famous and Cigars International are involved. I'm sure some of them will make their way online. That's a safe bet. Yeah, for a, a total donation of thirty-seven thousand five hundred bucks. But anyway, the first one's up in the next few weeks, and the the first beneficiary will be Operation Cigar for War- Cigars for Warriors, uh, who were hit pretty hard by the FDA yeah. limitation, wherein. Consumers can still donate cigars, but manufacturers and retailers cannot under the the new directives, the new regulations. So knowing that several of the manufacturers really were the foundation of that, that operation to send cigars to troops that are um, serving out and about around the world, um, uh, it kind of curtailed the ability to get the thrust of their their income in terms of cigars they can't 
they can't get that anymore. They're relying on consumers. So it was kind of a neat thing. I thought it was pretty cool. It's something to help some folks out. And I've been a not a super diehard AJ Fernandez fan. AJ makes the Southern Draw cigars, but I do like quite a few of his cigars, uh, even the ones I would say are identifiable immediately, which is the majority of them as an AJ Fernandez cigar. I generally like them. I, I don't think I've ever turned my nose up at any of his cigars. I just think sometimes I like a little more variety, but I'm a fan. I thought it was a cool idea to boot. I heard uh, it is a cool idea. I like the presentation. I like the, the outcome, the, the organization. Um, it's a very cool idea. I'm glad to see uh, Southern Draw involved in that. Um, where was I? What was I just going to say? Oh, AJ Fernandez. Um, I met with Mike Stewart and his band of Merry Trumpeters this week. And, uh, no, last week, excuse me. And I was introduced to a new AJ cigar whose name I am not recalling, but it was definitely described to me as not being typically AJ. Um, Massive transition throughout the, I did not smoke it. I was introduced in, in education only. I'll put it that way. Um, Massive transition from mild to full bodied or mild to full strength uh, across its length did not have the hallmark AJ flavor. And I am absolutely blanking on the name of it, but it uh, gave me pause for a moment to to think that maybe we are seeing a little bit of diversification in uh, in blend here in skill. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to look that up, but uh, either way, I thought that was kind of neat. I like uh, I like that things are perhaps improving, changing, a little different. How's that? Yeah. <clears throat> I can dig it. I was looking to see if maybe you'd posted a picture. I'm not sure when that was. I I did not. Oh, can't believe that. This is your forum. Your forum. You can only post a picture. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, uh. Um. Anyways, it was uh, not so much. Hey, I want to share this great cigar, but it was much more. Oh, this is very interesting. That's the number one thing that I would describe about AJ. He has a a similar vein of flavor that runs through the vast majority of his cigars. And if you like that, you're going to love his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I When the New World first came out, I was enamored, loved it, loved it a lot. I smoked through boxes of those before we moved. Uh at some point, they seem to have changed and got a little more, uh, a little more oomph to them, a little more in-your-face kind of a blend to me. Uh, a little more—I don't want to say brash because it's negative and it's not a—I don't mean for it to sound negative. I still like the cigar. It's just a little, little more than I typically reach for these days. But at one point, man, alive, I went through tons of those things. Uh, what was the cigar? The New World. Oh, New World. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, you have had a history of enjoying those. No doubt about it. Say. Well, this thing, since I relit it, has, is just burning perfectly again. Gone right back. Yeah. That same cool appearance to it as well. I, I 
I dig that. I don't know why I like it so much. It's just kind of neat. Yeah, uh, I think the fact that this cigar went out is not anything on the cigar. I think it was just me running my trap too much. Yeah, I would uh, I would say that's probably likely. No yeah. offense. I mean, that's certainly not no. intended to be insulting. Nah. Didn't take it that way. Feel my contempt. <laughs> mm. I, I, it, <sighs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll wait. We'll do this last news story, and then I want to. I want to just talk about this cigar. There's just definitely something here. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Well, the long one is just a PSA for those who, like me, are huge fans of this series. Um, and the series I'm referring to is the Tatawahe TAA release, which in the past have come with a year, of course, that designated the year they were featured as the uh, the uh, selected TAA blend made for TAA retailers. Mm-hmm. I have loved those every year. Some years I like better than others, but none of them have I not liked. I've truly enjoyed every one of the, the cigars in this series. Uh, this year is a little little different rather than just calling it by the, the 2018 Tatawahe TAA. Whatever. It's, it's the TAA Tobacco Association of America. TAA 50th anniversary. Yeah. It's their 50th uh, anniversary. So this one is the TAA 50th from Tatawahe. It's uh, going to be a 5 by 52 Robusto with a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, which should sound familiar in this series. I think most of them, almost all of them have had that that wrapper. Um, over a Nicaraguan binder and, and filler mix. Um, MSRP is holding pretty steady. It's eleven ninety five now. Which is pretty typical. They they've run right around that eleven to twelve dollar mark. I think every year since their inception, which now is seven or eight years ago, two thousand eleven. I think was the first year for this. Wow. Um, yeah, and man, I think they're fantastic. I, I, there are not a lot of cigars these days at eleven bucks that I I really will just go gaga over. But this is one of them. And I, I expect great things from this one, <laughs> just like the last, the last several. I uh, have you really liked all of them? I thought that you loved that 2004, uh, or 2014. It could have been. I, I'm just saying there have not been any that I turned a nose up at. I've enjoyed all of them. Some of them better than others. I I, I wouldn't swear to which year was my favorite, but. Yeah, I'm sure there's been one or two that would stand out if I went back and dug through old notes. Okay, well, I uh, can certainly understand that. I, I thought for some reason that you didn't love some of them and perhaps appreciated them is the term you're using that I'm not believing. Yeah, the years are piling up on me, and I'm pretty good about keeping notes, even if it's just for myself, stuck somewhere in some obscure file on a computer. Um, but the years are piling up on me between the different limited editions from EP Carrillo and the Las Calaveras from Ground Heads and the Tatawahi PAAs and the number kind of run together. I have a tumor. I blame it on the tumor. (laughs) Oh, all right. I suppose it works, man. I use it for everything. 
Uh, we've heard it, I bet, 30 times. I believe you. <laughs> you be an extremely conservative. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and guess what? You're going to hear it at least 30 more. <laughs> Good. Because I never remember what I've said before because, you know, I, I have a tumor. Uh, it would have been more appropriate if you said I never remember what I've said before, but that's all right. I'll let it slide. Well, I never remember what I've said before. so That's true. How would you know? I have a tumor. <laughs> so annoying sometimes. <laughs> kind of what I do. All right. This cigar. Yeah. What are, what are, what are we thinking on this cigar? <sighs> you know, the little citrus things you're mentioning. You know, if you get a section of orange and it's not, I, I, I'm going somewhere with this as ridiculous as it's about to sound. Maybe even a tangerine rather than orange, something that can at times be a little sweeter rather than bright and crisp and, and acidic, a little sweeter, like a tangerine. Okay. And you, you know, and you gnaw on it for a little while and you kind of have gotten everything good out of it. You're just left with the, the membrane, the chewy membrane that goes between the sections. Sure. So it reminds me of where it's a little, a little less sharp, less crisp, less acidic, a little, maybe a little bit sweeter. That's what this reminded me of, but more so the finish than the actual puff of smoke. The finish, finish kind of lingers and, and tastes that way to me. So my cigar, I don't, I don't get that from this. Um, I still get a slight bit of citrus, but it's in the smoke. It's not, not in the finish. Um, my cigar has not gone out. I touched it up, but it was more my curiosity to see if I could uh, achieve the same sort of burn that you had. Um, then it was the cigar burning all wonky or anything. It wasn't that at all. Um, and I would say at this point that it has turned ashy. Hmm. And I'm not, not horribly ashy, not unsmokable ashy. Uh, between the, you know, there's three-eighths of an inch variation in how this thing has burned at this point. So measuring from kind of the center to that, I've still got a little over three inches left. Um, I'm not down too far. I've, I've smoked two inches. I'm in towards the middle of the, this stick. I don't think that I've overheated it at all. I've not been puffing like crazy and I'm not smoking it that quick. We've mm -hmm. been smoking it over an hour and I've only smoked two inches, you know, of a Robusto and Robusto generally go a little quicker. Um, that ashiness is, it's a little polluting on my on my palate, um, and just with the straight puff and then slowly exhale like I typically do, um, I'm not able to get the complexity that I was in the first third. I have stopped smoking my or smoking drinking my rum. I mean, I still have it here. Uh, I've just been drinking my water. This is a little bit more than a liter of water, thirty five ounces, and. I bet I've gone through 20 of them. Um, so it's not that I'm poorly hydrated. I, I just think this cigar is a little bit harder 
it's transitioned pretty aggressively from being um, almost cloyingly, uh, cloyingly is not the right word, annoyingly um, sour uh, to now almost annoyingly, I'll be nice and I'll say toasted. Um, I don't dislike the cigar. It's just, it's trending in a direction that is much more of a hard profile than I prefer. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really feel like the two of us having such specific reactions to this, um, is, is leading to the cigar having some, some, um, I was going to say insecurities, uh, (laughs) some variation amongst the sticks. I, I'm really surprised. I, I don't know. You just don't sound like you're reviewing the same stick that I am. You know what it reminds me of? But it's it's not. This is not a guess because it's not the right shape. But the that little pointy Rocky Patel, the missile. I oh, I don't know that. It had a, a really pointed head on it, and they came they they came vertically in a box. And I don't remember there there were several different varieties, but the one that had a blue band on it, I think that was the most recently released one. But it's been years ago now. And that's what this has reminded me of, that that baby blue banded missile. I, I wouldn't be surprised so far if somebody told me, yeah, it's got tobacco from Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, a little bit else, other stuff from Central America. Uh, the wrapper is uh, Abano, and um, it's manufactured in, in Dominican Republic. I would not be surprised if it was just a a combination of a ton of different things. Um, I'm not getting an overwhelming. You know, you know what this is. What? This is a Cabo Guan Maduro. Because <laughs> the last time I had absolutely no idea what a cigar was. You know, at at this point, we've had that cigar three or four times out of thirty something. It's a good bet just to guess that on all of them from here on out. Yeah. We'll be right 10% of the time, which is just about our average. We've been fooled by that same cigar every time. Half right all the time. Hmm. Why is it every time I have a 50-50 chance, 95% of the time I'm wrong? (laughs) I don't know. The smoke itself is not the overly ashy part, I think. The finish to me is staying on my palate it is polluting my palate like i can taste a little bit there and it just isn't a pleasant finish for me that's probably my takeaway the cigar itself isn't isn't unenjoyable at all it's just i'm not i know i'm not tasting the full breadth of what this thing has Mm. how's that I'll buy that. How's that for professionalisticness? That uh, citrusiness you've described, uh, uh, I can't remember what country it is. Arnold Serafin, who uh, owns a, uh, a retail shop, and he has a couple of rollers that makes that make cigars for him back in Central Florida in Tarpon Springs and Spring Hill. He makes this cigar. <clears throat> it's massive. It's like 11 inches long. 
and no no mold for it. It's just made roughly an inch in diameter, so it's you know sixty something ring, big shaggy foot on it, and a pointed end. And it has this kind of uh, citrus notes to it. And he has tobacco in there that he always told me was what made that happen. And I can't remember now. It's it's a a more obscure origin, you know, Peru or Costa Rica or, or you know, who knows, Guatemala or somewhere. It's one of the countries we don't typically think of as a, a mainstream tobacco supplier. And you said it was one of the things you said was from some other Latin American country you didn't put a finger on. Yeah, it, it, I have had a pungent citrus flavor from what I very ignorantly refer to as um, generic Habano tobacco taste. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a couple. Kind of like a more sedated jalapa kind of thing. Um, excuse me. Maybe the jalapen sweetness, yeah. But if I was to categorize a jalapen flavor, it would also include uh, a, a relatively woodsy core to it. But mm. um, nutty. There is. Uh, there's something here that I want to figure out, and I'm I'm a little bit more anxious to read this uh, this reveal than I normally am. Um, not anxiety anxious, but anxious as in I'm uh, I don't have as much patience as perhaps I should about this. If it was just me recording this, I'd I'd open it early so that way I could talk a little bit more educated about it because I I know I will not guess this. Bistorated. Um, well, yes, that's that's right. That's the second time that's been used. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I am. Halfway through the cigar, I'm left with uh, an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Yeah, I'm I'm a little further along than you. I probably only have maybe two inches left. Hmm. How's the palate? You're not drinking anything. You never drink anything when you smoke, really. Very rarely. Uh, I I don't drink a lot of anything except water and coffee these days. Actually, mostly coffee. Hmm. Yeah, dang, I am very good. I have you know what? Two just left on this. You know what I I I'm gonna say, and you're gonna slap me because this is the sort of thing that an ignorant pipe smoker would say. <laughs> I smell. In the room aroma, which one is rare for me, um, but two, I smell a very distinct something something that is akin to the aroma of your bulk tin or your bulk jar pipe tobaccos. You go to a, a cigar store and they've got the ten glass uh, jars of pipe tobacco. You open them up, and if you get one that isn't overly aromatic, it kind of has a very generic Virginia tobacco aroma or English tobacco aroma. And I'm not enough of a tobacco geek when it comes to pipe tobacco to be able to discern that. But there's something there in this room aroma that is a little pipey. Huh. 
you need to get that way. We need to do another pipe show or two. Yeah, I think we do. I, I really think we do. I uh, I am much more well-versed than I was, but on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of education, that probably means I'm a 1.5. You know, if if one is understanding how to pack a pipe, I'm, I'm at a 1.5, I'd say. I'm nowhere near... Uh, if you can keep it lit for more than five or ten minutes, you're definitely beyond a 1.5. All right. I'm a one and three quarters. I've been smoking this guy a lot lately. Oh, man. Oh, you have. He's got a little mustache to him now. He's getting a little color on the base. Yeah. Yeah. I like this pipe a lot. Hmm. I uh, I am stuck in my rut of that little Seven Ellie that I got from you. I think it was a Seven Ellie. Yep, one yeah. with a gold dot on it. Yeah, I love that thing. Punto Oro. Ah, uh, all right. What else you been smoking, my man? Hmm. Well, I put a couple things on here. Last couple shows, I had very little to nothing. Um, <clears throat> you know. I'm the guy when I make it to a cigar shop, which unfortunately is can I can I stop you? Sure. Uh, I'm just noticing uh, a flavor that I can actually pick out of this now, okay. um, and it's something that has been there that is reminiscent of the rest of the cigar. There is definitely a a cocoa flavor that's in it that does not have the bitterness. It's not chocolate. It's the aroma of cocoa. Hmm. Uh, and it is the classic Dale Roush dusty cocoa. Yeah, kind of a little bit drying. Yeah, hmm. it's there, and it's definitely on the retro hill for me. Well, I tried it hmm. on retro hill almost every puff. Um, not getting it so much there, but I was wafting kind of directly into my nose from the cigar rather than from the, the, the cap, from the, the head, just kind of from the room. And I can pick that up a little more just if I were not smoking the cigar myself, I think it would be more noticeable. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. sitting beside me was smoking it. And I wasn't, which means I would have to steal it from him. <laughs> Man, I love doing that. I Well, I hate doing that because I would rather be smoking a cigar. But I miss being around a room aroma of somebody else's cigar. Um, I I almost am always smoking one when someone else is, and it's just so enjoyable. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, you were saying you've got a couple cigars on here. First time in a few shows. I do. Um, I, I was saying I don't get two shops much, but. When I do, I try to find things I don't see every day, and, and which is not too hard. There's a lot of little mom and pops in Tamborillo that make cigars and sell them to the local shops. and uh, So I like to try those, I, and that's how I came across Chohui and, and Campesino and, and uh, uh, what's that one you, you have now, the Aprendes or something like that? I forgot now. Aprendes, I don't know. I can get up and go to my humidor yeah, and check. Not, not that important. The the Cantinero, all these that we've talked about over the past three years. And I've had pretty good luck. And 
typically I find one and just fall in love with it for a while and then go on to the next one. <laughs> and so one of those was the uh, Campesino, which is made by the same little factory that makes Chofi mm. for a guy that owned, I don't know if he still does, he used to own a shop in Caparete, which is a little beach tourist community over on the north coast. Uh, last time I drove through, it looked like the shop was gone. So I don't know if he relocated or closed up or whatever, but hmm. the Campesino has not been on the shelf in a long time. I haven't seen him, but I was down and stopped by a shop last week and got a Campesino, but That's it's a, pretty, it's a new blend. This is like a matte finish, not the the paper's not glossy. I don't know if you can tell that. It's a very you know, like almost construction paper feel to it, but the gold embossing is is glossy and smooth. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this this is a new band. This is different than what what it was before. It was a white band before, um, but this new blend is called Renacimiento. Wow, not, that's not uh, a mouthful. No, no, it, it which means a rebirth. So I don't know if I don't know what the condition of the company is if they were closed up for a while and now they're back. I, I got nothing, no detail on this cigar. Except it does say Dominican Puro on the band, so I would assume that's what it is. Even though the word puro is thrown around to mean cigar here at times. So it, it could be a puro, it may not be, I don't know. Uh, until I do some more checking. But really, really enjoyed this. It was much like the original Campesino, and folks can go back in old shows and hear countless times of me talking about this cigar right about two years ago when I first came across him. Um, but it's a little more, uh, a little butter, and a little more substance, a little more uh, chutzpah than the hmm. uh, original one, which I really liked. The, the original... I liked a great deal on its own for its own merits, but it was a very uh, nuanced cigar, a very subtle cigar that if you just lit it up and went to cut grass or whatever, you're going to lose it. You're not going to pick up anything from it. It's one you you got to pay attention to to really enjoy. And this one was maybe just a notch or two above that where it would stand up to a little bit of ignorance, <laughs> so to speak. Um, really liked it. I, and I had two of those and, Enjoy both of them, so I may grab a couple more of those sometime in the not so distant future and see if see if the trend continues. Um, I dug it. I, I don't know if or when it may ever make its way to the states. The original did uh, right about the time, maybe a little after Chowhi started making its way stateside, and so I would imagine this one will as well at some point. Um, but the others that are on the list were these two called you can see that trace cruces which means three crosses i know nothing about it the guy at the shop told me who the owner of this brand was but i did not recognize the name uh, it's a little guy the bands are not especially uh fancy mm-hmm. i had they were, they were there were no uh, there's no information about them. the guy i bought them from didn't really know much about them there's nothing on the boxes in terms of the blend or anything. All I can tell you is one of them was a Maduro and one of them was not a Maduro. (laughs) And and I I was not 
not really enamored with these blends, I probably would not not go back and pick those up again. Um, somebody handed me one, I'd clip it and light it, but it's not one I'm going to seek out uh, in the same way that I will. The Renacimiento, um, I will go looking for those. But the Tres Cruces, I would probably take a pass on next time around. I am uh, in the midst of reloading with a fruit bar because I am getting my hiney kicked by uh, the nicotine in this stick we're smoking. But really, I will take a moment to ask you, um, what what's the success rate in those visits? Um, hmm. That's hard to say because I notice a trend where I tend to really, really like something and then kind of come to my senses and not like it quite as much, even if I still like it. Uh, the major exceptions for me personally has been Chohui. I really, really have liked those. Some more than others, the um, Premier Año, which was his first year celebration, anniversary cigar, is probably my least favorite of his cigars. I, I liked the Heartbreaker, which was a limited run, the, the uh, Papa Chohui. I like that. I like the Dos Siete. siete. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those have stuck with me. I really liked them. And the campesino i never disliked them they just went away i just i don't know if they quit making them or what happened with those and why they haven't been on the shelf for so long but uh it was good to see them there again and honestly those two come out of the same factory as have as did the cantinero that we talked about before the show started before we started recording i really like those i have one of those left uh, from the original run and there's no more although he now has a new blend out as of a week ago, also came out of the same factory. Um, So when I say success rate, the success rate of cigars that I have appreciated enough to continue to buy after the fact is pretty high. But at the same time, it's pretty high. But the fact is most of those cigars I've tried have actually come from the same factory and the same, Mm. (laughs) same guys behind them. So, the success rate is really high for that factory. But if I open that up and say of all the mom and pops in Tamboril, the success rate would be much lower. There, there's a couple mm. I just haven't, haven't jived with. They haven't been my thing. Um, so those are kind of hit or miss, but from this particular factory, and I'm not saying a name because the factory, I don't think it actually has an official name, the, the Victor from Chokwe because it is top secret nest. <laughs> it's just a little little factory run by Chico, uh, the guy that used to Chico. Uh, used to work for Quesada, actually doing their blends. Kind of started his own factory, Chico Rivas. It's uh, I think it's probably fair to say that that's the sort of thing that's a uh, a bit of a I don't know. Do you, can you say dream? And have it not be too uh, nostalgic or nah, nostalgic's not the right word. Um, hyperbolic, too romanticized. I, yeah, that's a that's perfect. I mean, is it is it fair to say that that is kind of a, a dream of all of us serious cigar smokers to to be in a situation where you're at, where you're on a daily basis driving around and you see Ma and Pa cigar manufacturers just there. I mean, it, it seems like Tampa in the 40s 
I, that's just what I and the forties is probably even too late. Tampa in the in the late twenties would be a more appropriate um, statement, probably. Like it just you go, you meet somebody new, you smoke their cigars, and you learn a little bit more about themselves beyond your conversation. You you have a blend that is a reflection of you. Um, and it's just so, it's such a, a unique gift that you have to be able to do that. Oh, I got 10 minutes. There's a new, you know, brick and mortar. Not even really a brick and mortar. I'm sure it's more just a stand. There's a little shop that I want to run into and check out. That's so, uh, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of respects, that is a cool thing. Um, and most of them are not even stores. I mean, the little places in Tamboril are, they're not stores. You, you just, you can walk up and say, Hey, can I get a, you know, quick run through your factory? See what you got going on here. Yeah. yeah. And some of them will sell cigars. Some of them don't. Some of them will just give you something to smoke while you're there or whatever. But it can be frustrating because so many times I've just, you know, come across somebody and been chatting and, Turns out they're a cigar guy, and he's like, hey, I, I, check this out. And he pulls out a cigar that's wrapped in a piece of newspaper, and he's like, I got a buddy that makes these or whatever, and there's no chance you'll ever see it again. You don't have yeah, a clue where yeah. it came from. No idea what's in it. It's just some guy that got his hands on tobacco and makes cigars. And, and so if you find one of those you really like, it can be frustrating. <laughs> yeah, but there's fun in that, too. I mean, there's so much of, of cigars that are the chase, the that kind of beautiful mystery that – you go, oh, I get, there was this one. It was so good. I was walking on the beach and on vacation in Nicaragua, and there was this guy who was selling cigars from a cart, and it was perfect. You know, like there's there's so many of those stories that some of my friends have shared or, or that they've been lucky enough to experience, and it's, uh, yeah, it's that, a pretty that, cool thing. That happened this week. We were in the mountains, and there's a couple of dudes up there building a little – house on just on the side of the mountain hmm. started chatting with the guy and i noticed he had been smoking a cigar and started talking about cigars he's like hey you know, exactly what i just described happened he went over to his backpack and fished out some cigars that were just wrapped in brown paper uh, and say here take one of these with you and i took it and it, it was a decent cigar but it wasn't anything to write home about so that's not so frustrating but it was fun anyway <laughs> And those are mostly native guys. They're not uh, expats who have gone down oh. there for something. Yeah, absolutely. Just locals. That's cool. That's that's really cool. Know somebody that knows somebody probably stole the tobacco out of a factory somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's no. that cynical American I love. <laughs> this leads to a rabbit trail that we're going to have to save for another night. But I've been thinking about this when. I've now tried so many of these things that I'm calling mom and pop operations. And the fact is that a lot of them don't have the resources, the, the inventory, the, the skill at times, although many of them are very skilled and, and knowledgeable, they make cigars that are pretty milk toast. Sure. Um, they're just run of the mill. There's something they're, a notch above a nicotine delivery system. There's just not a lot of interesting things about the cigar. Not a lot of things that set them apart as something really cool. And then there are these cigar makers that I, I, we were talking about a particular maker this 
last week and I said this may be their first big boy cigar to come out of this place and and uh, in the sense that it seemed like some of the past efforts were made down the scale a little bit and this one was more like a polished product you could walk into a retailer in the state somewhere a nice cigar shop get a good cigar and enjoy it it's something that from every single last appearance seems like this is a company that has the skill they have the labor they have the the inventory to draw from they have a blender that knows what they're doing it kind of can put a blend together and some of them don't have that and the rabbit trail that i'm trying to get to unsuccessfully is what what happens between those guys who there, there seems to be this tiered system they're these little guys that don't have the resources to produce a really high quality product that they can market at ten dollars or twelve dollars and then there's this next you know series of steps of different things people may call them boutique makers or whatever i, I don't care about the terminology but they maybe are a step up they have some better resources they have some capital they have some leaf they have a, a good blender they have good torcedores that making the cigars and then you have these giant guys they have all the resources in the world yeah. but for so long and so many times you're just gonna have to forgive it i have eaten a lot of crow with general cigar to be honest and still do they they, they sometimes will surprise me with a great cigar but I don't reach for very many general or Altadas products. I just don't. I don't care for many of them. And I got to ask, why is that? They have the talent. They're they're paying higher labor costs to get good rollers, a good blender. They have the money tied up in inventory. They have all the best leaf. They get the best selection because they're buying tons of tobacco. They get their choice in what they want. Why is it these big giant guys seem to at times revert to these milk toast cigars I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. If they're trying to please everybody in the market instead of just making something that pleases a segment of the market, I, I don't know. I, I just something that's been on my mind in the past week. You know, I I have to say that is not a uh, <laughs> that is not a unique thought. Um, I'd be surprised if we haven't talked about it on the show before. But that doesn't mean that I I think there's an answer that I can give you that we've come to some sort of conclusion in the past. It's, it's nearly universal that there are these manufacturers that just, do you say, don't get it. I don't think that's the right. I don't think that's the right term, but there, there seems to be a magic number, a magic range of size in the tobacco world where if you're below this size, you, you don't have access to the things you need to make a truly great cigar. And then there's an upper limit where if you're bigger than that, something gets lost. Even though you have all the resources in the world, you have all the tobacco in the world, you have your choice. You have the employees that have been doing it for decades and know what to do, but somehow the product doesn't come out amazing. And then there's that middle range where I think a lot of the really great cigars happen. And I, I don't know what that thing is, that one, if there is just one, that one factor that really kind of drives that. I I can't say that I know what to tell you. Um, 
I know what your question is. I know what the problem is. I don't have an answer for you. If I had to guess, I would say that it's why did it take Tesla to make the car that it made when you had General Motors and Toyota who are the biggest, brightest, most profitable, most most equitable corporations in the industry, and they never came up with anything like it. Um, you know, I I I have to say that it, in business, it's a hell of a lot easier to be successful when you don't have to worry about being not successful, or yeah. when when being not successful isn't so much of a of a it's not as complicated if you're unsuccessful as a small business owner. You didn't have a great cigar. Yeah, you have wiggle room. You have food on the table. You got a little bit of leeway. You're not hungry. It's the playing not to lose mentality, you know, rather than than you know, rather than than trying to win. Um, and you saw some attempts. The uh, Giannino product. Um, I mean, even looking at, uh, I think Siri R was a general product. If I recall correctly, that was, that was mm-hmm. after, uh, La Gloria was no yeah. longer independent. Um, you know, you just, you have some of these attempts that people go, Whoa, but I think that more often than not, you don't get the passion behind it to take that, that risk. I mean, it, yeah. you know, when you got shareholders, you're a lot less prone to take a risk. That's true. And I think a lot of times maybe there's just the, the driving force becomes marketing and packaging rather than the product itself. Yeah. You know that you, you do so much business, you're going to have a place, even if it's not great. Um, because there's so many things you can offer that essentially become reasons for someone to have your cigars. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I wish I had a less cynical perspective of that, but it's it's just kind of what it is. I think, man. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I had a conversation with my wife this week about <laughs> not so much geopolitical mindsets, but uh, uh, entitlement and governmental style and what that can breed um it, it was a very interesting conversation to have with my wife actually but it probably has applicability here um we we probably have uh i don't know does it come down to hunger does it come down to uh the, the not to win idea i mean i think that you could probably just simplify it and leave it at that and not yeah. try to make this uh <clears throat> a more complicated thing than it needs to be. I think things like hunger being a metaphorical hunger, a hunger to survive uh, as a company, not, not literal bodily hunger. Understood. Hunger and knowing that if, if this next line fails or flops, then I'm probably out of business. I'm guessing is a pretty big motivating factor for innovation rather than, you know what? I've got 25% of the marketplace right now. If I put out a line that sucks, yeah, it's not going to do well. I'll just discontinue it next year and move on to the next. I, uh, yeah, 
I wonder what our industry would be if guys like my father and guys like Rocky Patel and guys like Drew Estate started really trying to grow. I, I wonder, I, I know you're not going to knock on the door of, of Altidus and make him go, oh man, we got to hit the panic button. But, but what if you could? What if, what if you really had a, a crazy businessman who came in and uh, got involved with some of these big, big, well-respected players and, uh, and really push them to the next level, you know? I'm just wondering who, who, who are the innovators? Who's the next Tatawahi? Who's the next Illusion? Well, we're, we're never going to find them until we're, we're done with this until we're through. Um, because you'd be a fool to get into it right now without really and, knowing. Yeah. Um, now, that being said, when that comes out, I wouldn't be shocked if that next big person comes from a big organization like a general or or so on, you know, because it would make sense that they would, uh, if they're going to really push the envelope, they've got to be smart. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be smart, the smart thing to do, if you're going to stay in this industry at a time like this, is to go somewhere where you're going to be safe or stable, and that's at the biggest corporations that's going that are going to be able to survive this. And then from there, they branch off and they do their own thing in five, six, seven years. And we could see amazing things in 2025 in this industry. We just got to know what the end game is. Yeah. Even the guy just mentioned a while ago, Chico, he was Quesada's master blender or some kind of some, you know, muckety muck with Quesada doing well at a, a sizable company. Quesada is not the world conquering entity of a general or autodis, but they're sure. a sizable company. And he spun off, opened his own little factory, and I'm enjoying what he's made so far. I, I don't know how well he's going to do in the future, but he came out of a bigger company and is doing his own thing. It, uh, I would love to see somebody like that make a place and a name for themselves. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to. Right. Same here. Okay. That's enough of rabbit trail. Cause if we get too long in this show, we're going to be over our storage limit for the month. So <laughs> what you've been smoking this month. Yeah. You, uh, you did yours and I have, uh, detracted slightly. Sorry about that. Um, I, I'm going to say that I, I owe you a big fat thank you for what's on my list. And that is because not too terribly long ago, you gifted me a box of Tatuaje skinny monsters. And uh, as all of our regular listeners know, I went on a fishing trip last week, uh, a fantastically successful fishing trip. Thank you. Um, and I managed <laughs> And I managed to smoke just about this entire box of skinnies, and uh, I freaking loved them. I thought, as a whole, they were really, really well done, scrumptiously uh, uh, full-flavored, very well-constructed, really, really tasty in terms of um, how they varied a little bit, how they uh, uh, demonstrated 
not individuality on their own, but individuality from their their source material, but still harken back to it. Um, there was a lot going on that I enjoyed. Uh, and I have three standouts. The, the first was, um, I, I smoked the Frank, which to this day, the Frank has been one of the best non-Cuban cigar experiences that I've, I've ever had. It's been delightful. Uh, nothing, nothing bad can be said about, uh, uh, that gorgeous Frank that I smoked when I was in Nicaragua in 2010, I think it was, um, it, it was damn near perfect. So I was really looking forward to this skinny Frank to hope that, uh, in the hope that it could be something very similar. It was not, um, I didn't love it. I did not hate it, but it just wasn't really what I wanted it to be. So second cigar that was there, I was feeling a little down about how this experiment was going to go. I had the Drac and I am an unabashed lover of the Drac. I, I thought these were just scrumptious when I had them back in the day. Um, I know that they were not met with, with uh, positive fanfare. A lot of people really, really um, were down on these and they thought that the, um, the Boris, which came out with the Drac, they thought the, the Boris was the better of those two cigars. I loved the Boris, no doubt about it, but the, the Drac had a really beautiful, unique minty flavor. Uh, gosh, now 10 years ago, I bet nine years ago. So, when I lit this track up, it was literally like I was I was transported back to what those experiences were um, back then. How much I thought that this played off of that minty, smooth, refreshing profile, um, but also built on uh, this idea that this was a little punchier, a little more um, not so much strong in terms of punchy, but but punchy in terms of like it it carved out its own niche you you realize that this was a cigar that was pretty it was on it was performing at its best um and i dug it loved the crap out of this stick thought it was uh exactly what i wanted from the frank in terms of reminiscent yet new full flavored very well presented, not overly full bodied, something that I could smoke on a river and it just worked perfectly. Um, it accompanied me wonderfully, did not overshadow what I was doing. And when I caught a cigar, I could keep it in my mouth and puff on it and not bother. Um, it was delightful. Uh, the next one that really stuck out was the mummy. Um, I think I've had one of the mummies, nothing crazy. It was, I remember it being big. I remember it being a little brash. And uh, so when I had this one, I was really surprised by how elegant and, and suave it was. It was not a, it was not what I would have thought would have been a, uh, in line with how the Drac kind of played on being a little bit more aggressive in the presentation of flavor. It was, it was like a, the analogy that I always use. It was a river rock that had been wound down and very, very um, artfully and skillfully whittled into what it was supposed to be. It tasted like a vintage cigar. It was, uh, it was really, really excellent. Um, 
I don't know how much of that was because I was surprised by it and how much of that was because it was truly unique, but it was uh, delightful. Um, and finally, the bell of the ball for me, uh, a cigar that I actually requested that my counterparts try because it was so um, flavorful, was the Tiff. Um, the Tiff, if I'm going to recall was i believe a dark dark wrapper and a blue band i can verify that in a little bit here um but that cigar was i mean it was like do i say the the perfect kind of pepin or or uh, um tatuaje uh broadleaf sweetness a lot of complexity to go along with that sweetness, not overly strong, even though it presented itself in a way that you would almost expect it to be um, really, really surprising smoked slow. That is one thing I noticed with a, a fair few of these, they smoked a little quicker than I thought they would. Um, you know, I'd get an hour and 10 minutes out of uh, smoking one of these and they're six and an eighth by 38. You know, I would have thought I easily would have gotten two hours, but uh that was fine. It just wasn't, um, wasn't exactly one of those that you could just, you know, puff on and puff on and puff on. And it was always going to be there for a long while, but this tiff, it was, uh, definitely the bell of the ball I have written down without a doubt, the best smoking experience, the best, um, complexity, the best presentation. Um, it was, it was a pretty damn good cigar. I, I, uh, I feel blessed to have been able to have had it. It was the best cigar that I smoked when I was on my trip. Um, and I wish I had the whole damn box of that. Huh. Another can... add in is that every single one of these cigars was perfectly um, manufactured. I did have one. I'm going to say it was probably the Jason or the Jekyll. I didn't love it, but it was, it was uh, too aggressive for me. Um, so I took the wrapper off and I smoked it without that. And it had some minor burn issues like you would normally expect when you're removing the wrapper. But it uh, it really mellowed down. That wrapper was just kind of that. It was like a hot sauce on a dish that doesn't need it. Um, I, uh, I was much better without that. And I will not fault the cigar for the uh, uh, the minor construction issues that I had after that wrapper was removed not the way it's supposed to be smoked. So I get it. Yeah. Cool. 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 Uh, you actually can buy the individual ones now by the box. I would go for the TIFF hmm. every day of the week and recommend I, the hell out of it. Yeah. I liked all of them. I thought these blends all really, really translated well to this size. I like the chubby monsters. I like the fat monsters, but the, the skinny monsters definitely were my favorite amongst all the, the secondary offerings from these plans. It was uh, it was a fun little experiment. I, I enjoyed the heck out of just doing that and being able to concentrate on, on smoking a similar profile. You know, none of the cigars really taste identical, but a similar profile in that it, it's coming from the same place of, from the same mind. Uh, I, I, I liked it. It a uh, very successful project. Cool. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Yeah, thanks, man. Bueno. 
Well, we're uh, we're getting down to crunch time here. Yeah, I uh, put mine down. I've got maybe an inch left, and it's telling me it's done. So I've kind of wrapped up. Uh, it definitely got stronger toward the end than it was early on. Holy poop, didn't it? Holy cow. And, and it was it was like somebody flipped a freaking switch. I kind of chuckled when you said yours had gotten stronger, and you're eating the gorilla bar or whatever, or the energy bar. I kind of chuckled because mine had not turned, but it was nearly instantaneous that suddenly I felt like this is a strong cigar and I had not felt that way beforehand. Yeah. It, uh, it, I mean, it literally was like, I was unable to focus on things, um, a little bit, like it, it took a little bit more effort than it should have. It got so strong, so quick for me. Yeah. So. But m- mine did not turn especially ashy, uh, like you described. Uh, it was uh, probably not going to, uh, beat down the tobacconist's door trying to chase this down, but um, certainly would buy them for a reasonable price. I had a good experience with it. So I'm going to say that as this cigar is finishing up, um, I think it had a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco in it. Um, I, I'm not going to say that it's a puro because I think the wrapper is probably grown elsewhere um, or the binder perhaps is grown elsewhere. Uh, I think that um, I would not be surprised if this was a Rocky Patel cigar. Yeah, I mentioned that missile, even though I was looking while you were talking to see if that what I remembered, the blue one was the the edge Abano uh, and that I had the missile. That's what it reminded me of. Hmm. But it's it's not available in a Robusto from what I can tell. So (laughs) I guess I'm out of luck there. I don't. I kind of agree with the Nicaraguan comments. Uh, It, especially toward the end, seemed more to have some Nicaraguanness, more so than early on. Er, uh, The first third, I was in agreement with you. You made a comment about it seeming Dominican, but it 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 departed from that pretty pretty heftily for me. I don't I don't at all think it was Dominican. I, I would guess Nicaraguan as well. I uh. I have not looked at the band, but I'm looking at the back of the band right now. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you can read that or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is the Rocky Patel Super Lajero. Oh, I've never smoked that, I don't think. Oh, yeah, you have. El Pareso Honduras. Well, before now. So, boy, this this wrapper actually feels like a sticker. Like it has a plastic. Oh, the band? I, I'm sorry. Yes, the band. It is green and red and ready for your uh, your Art Deco Christmas. Yeah, that is Art Deco-ish. Reminds me of the Santos de Miami, except so, it's there you go. darker red. So it uh, he's got a little right up here. Let me see what we got. All right, huh? Well, all right. The strength is full. The shape is robusto. The wrapper is a bono. Uh, the origin is Honduran. The binder is a bono, and the filler is Costa Rican and Mexican. Mexican, huh? When I and uh, he writes, when I first heard that Rocky Patel was releasing a releasing a Super Lajero, I half expected a cheesy band with some corny superhero theme. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I have to admit, I was wrong, dead wrong. After taking one for a spin, Super Hero not only looks sharp, but it's going to appeal to a ton of people. Don't judge a book by its cover. I preach it a thousand times over, but this is one handmade you can safely pass judgment on from very first glance. Hmm. Uh, the verdict? A bold son of a gun that packs one hell of a punch. Dressed in a dark, feisty Honduran Habano wrapper, Super Lajero isn't afraid to let its presence be known. And once you pull back its veritable peel, the fruits that await you inside are even more intense. Muy intense. Long fillers from Nicaragua and Costa Rica produce a heady profile laced with oak, cinnamon, white pepper, and toasty tobacco. Growing more intense throughout, I suggest sitting down to enjoy to fully enjoy this one. Move over. What'd you say? I said he just said a mouthful right then. Yeah. Move over, Edge. Super Lajero now wears the crown as Rocky Patel's strongest. <laughs> we were kind of on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say we we're on the right track. Not nearly as much Nicaraguan as uh, what I was saying, but. Um, it does say muy intense long fillers from Nicaragua and Costa Rica. But then his his summary of what the filler is says Mexico and Costa Rica. So I wonder which one is right. I don't know if you are uh, searching for that or not. You look feverishly like you're doing something else. No. I'm, oh, okay. I'm trying to focus. Um, well, yeah. No, no bleep this is strong. I... Uh, I would say this gets too strong for me, no doubt about it. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with Costa Rican tobacco, but I remember uh, Bob and Dale talking about Bucanero cigars, mm-hmm. which I believe are are all Costa Rican, um, having a very un- unique citrus sweetness to them. Um, that you know that that could have been some of that citrus flavor that citrus citrus twang that we were getting might be attributed to the Costa Rican. I, <laughs> I thought that Jay had written that up, but when I Googled up the Rocky Patel really arrow, I came up with exactly what you just read to me. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I, I thought Jay had written that too. I was quite impressed by his uh, mastery of prose. I was too. I was like, dang dude, he needs to be writing some reviews. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I am uh, going to town on my fruit bar again. These are, well, not that you can run to your little neighborhood Trader Joe's, but Trader Joe's fruit bars, it's just compressed strawberries. It does the body good for getting some sugar into you. Hmm. Well, I... At the stoplight down here. What? They sell strawberries at the stoplight, so I can mash them down in the container, I guess. Man, I love fresh strawberries. All right. Well, that was a fun little experiment. I'm not sure I can get up to go upstairs yet. The stairs might be a little uh, yeah. deadly. A, a little bit of a cooler breeze blowing in the door here beside me, and I'm I'm just sucking it up. <laughs> Needing to. Oh, yeah. oh man. It's, it's, it made me sweat. Those last few minutes made me break out in a little bit of a sweat. Yeah. I was not kidding when I said it was like flipping a switch. That thing got twice as strong, half as fast. I uh, I would say that I'm not going to reach for another one of those. Um, again, not that the experience itself was unenjoyable, but uh, it, 
it played with me a little bit. I think that strength, um, not the strength. I think the intensity while I was smoking it tended to pollute my palate a little bit more than, uh, than what I can handle. Um, not so much the, the, I can't handle the nicotine though. That was stronger than I would prefer, but I really think that the way this cigar was, was lending its flavor. It was just, I don't know. It was not agreeing with me. Perhaps like it was just polluting my palate. So, um, maybe uh maybe smoke one of these after you've been smoking a little heavier over a week i should have had it last weekend mm. good point yeah yeah well anyways thanks for another good show buddy that was fun and yeah. thank you jay yeah absolutely i guess we're ready to wrap this joker up let's wrap it up baby cool well everyone now later down the road we certainly appreciate you tuning in uh, if you come back next time around for episode 178, we will be smoking something as yet to be determined. Uh, we've got to sort through some show cigars and see what that's going to be. <laughs> so maybe it's an unbanded for listeners next time. You don't know what we're going to be smoking. <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can get us by email to Craig at halfashed.com or Kip at halfashed.com and of course you can always find us through the typical social media channels through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram whatever, what have you um, and of course our own little corner of the interwebs over at the Half Ashed Forum uh, we'd love to have you over there as well I would say that uh, probably the fastest way to get in touch with me recently I have been um, digesting a lot of news these past couple weeks via Twitter. That is an incredibly useful tool if you're going to use that to try to find, uh, to try to have access to information that you normally wouldn't. So hit me up on Twitter. I am at Craig S. Schneider. So uh, that that would probably be the fastest way to get responses from me. I'm getting uh, pinged automatically now if you're sending me something. So do it. Do it. Well, and as always we uh we want to thank everybody who's listening and thank everybody who has contributed to tonight's show jay ledoux especially we love our unbandeds we love our listeners who send unbandeds in just a little bit more than the listeners who don't and uh we want everybody no laugh kip come on that was <laughs> that was bread and butter no we uh we appreciate it and as always in the wise words of our mentor mr dale roush Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.